This is Neon Radio, episode 114, with celebrity choreographer and creative director, Luan. Welcome to Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, fashion and lifestyle photographer for today's top brands, performers, and game changers. On this podcast, we explore the body, mind, and soul of the creative entrepreneur, bringing you inspiring guests to help take your creativity, business, and life to the next level. What is up, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode of Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and welcome to today's show. It's a beautiful week here in New York City, wintertime, and I'm excited to bring to you today's guest. But also, I want to let you guys know about a couple different things. First of all, we just started the Neon Life Facebook community. So go over to neonlife.com, N-I-O-N-L-I-F-E.com slash community and join the conversation. We want to hear what inspires you and see your work and allow a space for you guys to connect with other creatives and share your thoughts and help each other out and encourage each other along the way. Also, I'd love to hear what topics are interesting for you, especially to hear in the podcast and things to talk about, creative process and all those good things. So go over to the community and post and and connect with us. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So I'm excited to bring to you today's guest. Her name is Luam, and she is a celebrity choreographer and creative director for concerts and events and galas. And she has worked with people like Beyonce and Britney Spears, Janelle Monet. The list goes on. She choreographs for them. She is an all-around rock star in the dance community. She's got an amazing story of turning her passion of dance into a full-time career and way of life. Something we talk about on this episode is her creative process, but also how she used everything she could, all her skills and talents to sustain her while she practiced her craft and got to a point where people were paying her for it. Much, much more. We learn her story, where she's from, and deeper than that, what it takes to become a choreographer for the stars and what it takes to work on such a high level. Also, head over to neonradio.com slash EP114 for the show notes and to check out the photo shoot that we did in my new studio here in my place in Brooklyn. So with that, I bring to you the one, the only, Miss Luam. What is up, everyone? We have Luam on the show today. She is an uber-talented celebrity choreographer and creative director. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. You've got such an amazing story, and you do crazy high profile things and it's 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 going to be fun to dive in here. Let's do it. So, you have worked for with uh, so many people, Beyoncé, Britney Spears, all these you've choreographed. It's a totally different world for me. So, let's just get started and kind of talk about a first of all, what exactly do you do between choreography and creative direction and who you do it for and then we'll kind of get into your backstory. Mm -hmm. It's a good question. So with creative direction and choreography, think of creative direction as sort of the overarching vision, like the whole vision. Like Mm -hmm. if you go to a concert or you even see something on TV, it's everything from the lights to the wardrobe, to the set, to who's on stage, to how the performance unfolds, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and choreography is sort of building the movement of everything within a show. So choreography is a portion of it. Um, but I've been lucky enough, you know, to sort of dive into to evolve in my career as well from choreography into listen, I want to take over the whole vision because I got plans and I don't want to just do this one part, <laughs> you know, and, and really making it all come together, which I think is key. I love it. I love it. And so you when you're choreographing, you're doing it's the choreography is beyond just the dancing. It's it's everything that's coming into the stage. So paint us a little bit more of a picture of, of what that looks like. So choreography is literally your directing movement. So, you know, most people think of dance. They think of like 
dance steps and if you have like a music artist and dancers behind them, but really choreography is everything. Um, I recently choreographed something for a television show where it was literally choreographing a whole bunch of students coming out of a building, you know, and <laughs> you think, you think, wait, why, why do we have to choreograph that? Because it has to look perfect in, in mm -hmm. telling the story. It's all storytelling. Choreography is literally storytelling. Mm. And when you kind of just let it kind of do whatever it does without sort of organization, you may not get what you need. A lot of times you're not going to get what you need for the camera or for the audience to really convey the story. You need to organize it. Sometimes you got to organize chaos. Sometimes I, I got to walk in and make it look chaotic. Yeah. You know, it's not just going to look chaotic <laughs> on its own. They need me. So it's got to be organized chaos. It's got to be organized chaos. So it's really making sure that, for example, on a movie set, when you see you know, a dance scene at a, at a club, you know, mm -hmm. there's a choreographer on set for that. You know, yep. when you see, a, I don't know, pick anything, there's <laughs> probably a choreographer on set to make sure, even like when you have hand commercials or, or things like that, that require it to have a certain sort of texture mm -hmm. and really speak through the body, you know, that requires some, some, sometimes some direction. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Now you are actually, we grew up probably 10 minutes away from each That's other. That's crazy. Oddly <laughs> enough, in Seattle, in Seattle. And uh, too funny, but we just recently met like we say a year ago or I know. less. And that's kind of crazy. It's totally crazy. I mean, especially in Seattle, like, I mean, without aging myself, I grew up, we grew up in the grunge era, <laughs> which was the best time to be in Seattle. I never, I never danced there. Exactly. Ironically, it's not till I came to the East Coast oh, that, crazy. I, that I actually discovered it. So yeah. Why don't you uh, tell us your story? I know I love your story. You've told us to me before. So kind of starting from when you were, you know, you were growing up in Seattle and how did you go from, how did you get interested in, in doing this and to got to where you are today? For me, my, my story is pretty funny. Um, I, I didn't grow up thinking about dance or being a dancer. You know, I think as any sort of creative child, like I would daydream about like being on stage and, you know, I was always very artistic. However, um, I was supposed to be a doctor. I grew up. That's if you asked me when I was five until, you know, college, what are you going to be? I'm like, well, I'm going to med medical school and I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna do the do and call me Dr. Kaflesky and everybody's going to think I'm a guy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what happened was uh, I always had a love for the arts and I always expressed myself in different ways through writing, piano, like music, you know, drawing, painting, all these things. And dance was like the secret hidden love like that I never even expressed to myself for oh, most wow. of my life. Like I, I didn't even really take dance classes. I just like would just dance around in my room forever <laughs> by myself. And then. Basically, you know, I, I went through life and I, you know, went into high school and then I did something like drill team. I always found a way to find dance on my own in a very underground way. Mm -hmm. So I'd find friends or I'd make like sort of like a community sort of group or something that I didn't have to psychologically say, oh, this is what I'm doing. I'm just like, I had to get it out, you know? Yeah. So then college comes about and um, my senior year, last semester of my senior year of college, I, I joined African dance troupe. African Rhythms, I remember. And it's funny because I never went to their shows for four years because I knew that I could not sit in the audience. I, like, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't be that girl. I will not. I will jump on stage. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. But I felt like last semester, senior year, just do it. And I did. And I just fell in love like with it. And then mm. I decided in my career, you know, to sort of take some time before going to med school and I was going to work in corporate America. So I decided to do IT because I always had a love for computers. Super random. <laughs> wow. The randomest thing ever, right? So random. So I worked at um, Time Inc. in their advanced technology group. <laughs> I was, wow. I was like this creative nerd, um, which was always fun, you know? Yeah. And then uh, what I did was because I had the freedom to sort of do what I wanted, after five o'clock, nine to five, I'd be in a suit Straight hair, glasses, you know, briefcase, and then had my little, you know, sweats <laughs> and so baggy t-shirts. So you moved to New York at this point. Oh, yeah. So, after, so I went to college. Okay, backtrack. I went to college. Um, I graduated from UPenn, and I decided, again, to work in corporate mm -hmm. America. I moved to New York, like everybody in my class did pretty much at that time. 
and just kind of live the New York life, corporate America, nine to five, five to whenever time in the morning I was dancing. Wow. I was going to the gym, um, like in a studio by myself. Then I would go to Broadway Dance Center or other dance schools and train. And I just, I lived that life and I immersed in this really amazing New York dance community, which has this like completely different culture and life of its own that you don't really see unless you're in it. Yeah. So that led to, you know, I did that for about two and a half years. And then there was a merger. They got rid of all these departments. <laughs> and my group was disbanded, actually. And they, they didn't let me go. And I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm like the youngest, the only female. And the, but um, after a while, you know, I actually did leave. Mm. Um, they gave me a severance package. I'm like, great. Now I can dance for a little bit without stress before grad school. And that was many, many years ago. I never actually went to grad school. I just kept going. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> but you have to tell the story of when you were, you were, you were dancing and yes. all your coworkers saw you. It's, it's so good. It's funny because I have so many stories like that. When, when dance <laughs> and corporate America collide. Oh my God, tell us, tell us. So this, my first job actually as a dancer was, um, for MTV VMAs. And I was so excited because this was like a major look. And this one was in New York. It was Radio City Music Hall. And I was going to perform with Ludacris. And he was doing the pre-show. So the whole concept of this pre-show was they had this huge DTP bus, you know, and they would roll in front of Radio City Music Hall to roll out. <laughs> okay. Mind you, I was working in the Time and Life building, which is directly across the street. And when I say across the street, you can see my floor wow. from outside <laughs> Radio City Music Hall. So needless to say, I told nobody. <laughs> nobody knew. And then I kept this a secret. And the day of, I, I, I was talking on the phone to somebody who's I had a cubicle, right? And I was telling them, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go because I had I'd gotten out early for some excuse. And I, I kind of mentioned it. Mm -hmm. Somebody overheard me, I guess, in the office because <laughs> come to find out Showtime, right? Now it's Showtime. There's probably like 30 dancers, but they only chose two dancers to go on top of the bus with Ludacris <laughs> too. And I was one of the two dancers. Oh my God. And at that time, me and Ludacris kind of had the same hair. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a big curly fro. So rolling, so, you know, and wardrobe is back. This is when we would cut up t-shirts all crazy ways and yeah. wear like hot pants. So I'm literally in hot pants in this really stringy cut up shirt situation. And, um, I'm, I'm about to live my life. You know what I mean? And I'm the first one out the top of the bus and I look and it's literally a sea of people on the New York streets. You cannot see, you can't see the, the ground, you wow. know, as far as I can see. And as I, as I come out, everybody's screaming like, Whoa! and I'm like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> they probably thought I was ludicrous, but that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm waving like Miss America, just excited. And then the music starts Ludacris comes out, you know, and I'm so hype. I'm high on life. You know, this this music goes and rollout starts and I just dance my life away. And we start literally rolling a block in front of Radio, Radio City Music Hall where my office is. Right. So, you know, I'm dancing <laughs> and then I look over the side of the bus and there's my whole department. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm the youngest by probably 50, 20 years, you know, the only female, the only minority. It was like it was it couldn't have been more scripted. And I was I was literally in shock. But can I tell you, they had the biggest smile on their faces. They're That's like, awesome. oh, this is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't live that one down, but it was it was worth it. That's amazing. How long did you were you did you keep working there till after you left? Well, I, I worked there about uh, two and a half years total. Yeah. And um, after that, it was probably another six months to a year before everything kind of changed over, but it was, it was so fun. Again, yeah. it was a creative environment. As long as I could create, that <laughs> was great. how did you manage going out till the wee late hours and then working a corporate job the next day? I mean, that's, that's what you do when you get out of college <laughs> and you're in New York city, you know, you don't sleep 
for a few years. <laughs> True that. True that. <laughs> and then you go out after that, right? And then rinse and repeat. Yep. Yep. That was yep. a life. That's New York for you. Absolutely. So how did you make that transition from making money in corporate America to making money with your art and creativity? Because that's you said that was a, a long trend, what, two and a half years? Or it was six months that you were you kind of like were going from overlapping, you mean? Overlapping, yeah. Um, well, the, let's, <laughs> the concept of making money, you know, artistically, there definitely was a buffer of many years of brokenness, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but before that, while I was doing both, it was definitely a balancing act, yeah. you know? Um, and one that I knew was going to cause me to make a choice that I didn't want to make. So, you know, the way that I saw it, the choice was made for me. Right. You know, right. sometimes, you know, the, I say when you take too long, the universe or God or whatever you believe in makes the choices for you, mm -hmm. you know? So um, after that, you know, I had severance, but then I didn't have income for a long time. Mm. And um, there's one thing that I always say to like my students or, or young dads, I'm like, use everything you know to do what you love. Use mm. it all. Because, you know, everything that I was at that point with my education, with my sort of like technology experience and creative technology, like working with Adobe or just like different things as self-taught and also sort of my corporate experience and working in business, I used all of it for dance. I mm. pimped the heck out of it. Wow. For my dance That's career. Great advice. <laughs> so like I didn't, I made my own websites, you know, um, and this was back at HTML <laughs> days and I remember those days. I remember those days. <laughs> and I also was always on the scope for new technology. So for example, YouTube was born, you know, when yeah. I was teaching and, and I actually became the first choreographer on YouTube. Wow. So for me, it was like, oh, this is cool. Let me just throw my videos up in here. I look up a year later, I'm like, who are these people watching this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what is this? And um, sort of that was a, a big leveraging platform for me to be visible in the dance, global dance community. Mm -hmm. You know, I've actually left YouTube a few years ago because I wanted to sort of gain credibility within the industry outside of, you know, my online presence. Mm -hmm. um, but before that, it definitely was something that kickstarted my brand and, and really gave me a lot of yeah. visual. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you still post a lot of videos whereas I was cruising through them yesterday. Oh yeah. <laughs> you got some great moves there <laughs> for the world to see. You got to share what you do. You know, people got to see you do what you do. Absolutely. Cause if they don't, how are you going to get hired for it? Exactly. But not only that, you know, one thing that really struck me about sharing that time was the amount of emotional response I received from people all over mm. the world that I never met and I had no idea existed. Um, there was such a, you know, I would post my classes cause I would teach mm -hmm. and literally just a, a, a video in front of a class and just see people dancing. Right. That's it. Yeah. But the way that people related and, and sort of connected with the movement was so powerful. It mm. just opened my eyes to the healing power of dance and yeah. artistry. It's literally beyond us. It's like beyond our scope to even understand. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. So when you left, um, when you left your job, you had that severance package. Did you create some sort of sandbox to, uh, for yourself to play in and to develop the, the dance career and the, and the creative career and all that? Yes. Uh, theoretically, theoretically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wasn't that big at, you know, organizing the business side of it at that mm. time, you know, Creatively and, and technologically, yes. But the back end of it, you know, it, it was it was difficult. It was very difficult. I hadn't had sort of the educational background of my own research to really know what to do with what I had mm -hmm. to keep it rolling right. for as long as I could. And that's something that in recent years, I've actually made sort of a campaign to bring to young artists into how to, how to proper, like, what do you do with your money? How can you be profitable as an artist and actually have an IRA or some kind of plan because <laughs> yeah. you can't do this forever. So for me, it was definitely hand to mouth, but in a sense of also utilizing everything else that I did besides dance to mm. bring in income. So I would constantly do, you know, consulting work or my own sort of creative project works to bring in anything. <laughs> got it. Got it. So it was it yeah. was a while before you actually were making money with the art. You were making money from different 
sources. Yes. And the one thing that has, that was my saving grace was teaching. You know, Mm. for me, I'd always been a teacher and I always loved teaching. So I was able to like, I was, I just wanted to teach out of my own passion Yeah. and then to actually say, okay, so this can actually help me (laughs) (laughs) pay my rent to some degree. So I wasn't above doing anything. Yeah. Like I taught at New York sports club was my first like class, you know? Yeah. I was so excited for it. Oh my God. And then, you know, I moved to like Geneva Dance Center and then I went to Broadway Dance Center and then I started to have like, you know, to really credible institutions and training professionals. So I I was not above any teaching job. I was not above any sort of private lesson or anything. I was happy to do Mm. it because I enjoyed it. And also I could sort of like have a stopgap (laughs) until I could make professional money performing or later on choreographing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel like that's a whole thing too now is, is younger kids getting into it comes, there's a lot of a big sense of entitlement and you know, it, I feel like you have to lose that sense of entitlement to really learn and, and grow. I think what happens is, you know, the visibility of everybody makes it difficult, makes it easy to compare So I feel like if we didn't know what everybody was doing or what they were getting, maybe they wouldn't feel as entitled, you know, when they see people in in their age group or younger or less experienced than them doing X, Y, and Z, hang out with so-and-so getting this kind of money. They're like, oh, well then I should be getting that too, because I'm (laughs) working hard on this end. But in reality, they're still brand new. So I completely agree with you. I think that um, what I try to enforce in, in my community and with the dancers and students or professionals that I come in is like, listen, you have to understand why you're doing this. Why are you doing this? Are you doing this for money? Because then you won't get the money you want. If you're doing it to fulfill some kind of passion in you, you're going to work harder than you've ever worked. And the, like the, everything will work itself out beyond what you even could expect Mm. will happen or come to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you teach a lot of this stuff in your classes. I do. <laughs> yes. Yes. And no. Um, I try not to be too talk too too much, right. you know, because, you know, we got to we got to dance. But um, it's hard not to dance is such a metaphor mm-hmm. for for life and self. You know, it's funny because in my classes, like I see them moving. And these are professional dancers or aspiring professionals. And I'm, I can tell what's going on in their life. I yeah. literally am after class will be like. So, uh, is this happening or is that happening? They're like, how the heck do you know? Do you, what are you, what's going on? They get kind of freaked out. I'm like, don't worry. It's just, it's just what I do. You know what I mean? (laughs) Because it's so transparent, you know? And it's also metaphor for aspiration, success, all of that. Because one thing that I've noticed is that everything that we kind of go through in dance is the same thing that we go through everywhere else. Mm. You know, um, the things that hold us back, you know, our fear, our insecurities, we sort of like literally hold back our movement because we're afraid to be, we're afraid to fail, of course, but also because it's hard to be judged on something that you love so much. And it's hard for everything to be, to depend on it. Your finances, your, your social network, you know, even like, your relationships, all these things depend on how well you do something mm-hmm. that you love to do. Like that's yeah. a, like a Petri dish of insecurity. Like, <laughs> oh, absolutely. And then not knowing where, where, or if that next paycheck is coming. Absolutely. And, and having that depend on that too, it's, it's, it's really hard. So, but the thing is that you have to get back is that I try to empower, you know, everyone is to have that fearlessness. Mm-hmm. You know, you really have to be fearless because those insecurities, those fears, those, you know, sort of anticipations will literally keep you from everything you want. Because in a dance setting, like in a classroom, literally what they'll do is their movement will get smaller and they become less eye-catching, less visible, mm. less, you know, you don't watch them as much. Yeah. But then in their head, they're like, I just want to get it right, you know, and I, and I want to do a good job so that I can get called out and recognized. But oh, they're, they're literally doing everything to not be recognized because they're insecurity, but they don't realize it. Wow. So it requires this mental, men, dance is like 97% mental, but so is everything else. Like once they unlock that I don't give a F moment, <laughs> 
literally you see them come alive and all of a sudden your eyes just literally zap right to them. But you have to let it go. Yeah. You have to trust, you know, that whatever comes out, it's fine. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But you have to be completely fearless with it. Wow. So how do you, you know, this is, I think this is, a, since it's a metaphor for life, but also like, how do you snap out of it when you're going into that? Say you have to perform or you have to go up and teach or, you know, you have to be in your body. You have to be in the moment and be fearless. How do you, how do you go? If you're not feeling in that state, how do you switch states? The way that I personally switch states is like when I'm teaching or when I'm choreographing or directing, it's easier because my concern is not myself as much. Mm. My concern is the student or the the vision or the artist or the audience. Like I want them to to enjoy it so much that I'll literally like throw myself on the ground and do whatever yeah. needs to happen. Like I become less of a component in my own way, you know? But when it's just like me on stage <laughs> <laughs> and I have to like demonstrate something or do something, I of course I get in my head. Of course I get insecure. Of course I have doubts, but I literally have to like, (laughs) I laugh at myself all the time. That's the (laughs) way that I get over it. Sometimes I may even like mess up on purpose, you know, just to get it over with, Mm. you know? And then that makes me laugh at myself and it kind of like humanizes everything to say, it's okay. If it's not perfect, they just want something honest and I think that's really what everybody is trying to do is connect yeah. as artists. And if you're worried about the presentation, people aren't going to understand the core, mm-hmm. you know, and at the end of the day, some of the best art is messy, you know? It's great. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. So how did you go from dancing with Ludacris and <laughs> like your dance, like the the progression of how you went from dancing to Corey? Choreographing. I still have trouble with that word. I don't know. It's okay. Sometimes I do the same (laughs) thing. I trip over it. Well, for me and my personal philosophy is that, you know, with choreography or choreographers, it's not necessarily a natural evolution of dance or even teaching. I feel like if your choreographers are born, not necessarily made. Mm. Like you have, you just can't help it. Like even when I had no lessons, no anything, didn't know a lick of anything. I was always making up something. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it looked like at the time, but you know, I couldn't help but create it something in you that has to get out. So for me, as long as I've been dancing, I've also been choreographing, but I've been developing it. And really choreography is not just in an industry. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily just a directing of movements, directing of people, you know, it's, it's managing different personalities, managing different levels of, of professionals, you know? So yeah. learning how to do that was part of my education of being a dancer and watching, you know what I mean? Being in the industry and seeing how things played out and then starting with new artists, starting with artists overseas a lot. You know, I used to travel a lot because yeah. of my YouTube following, mm. because there was um, such a big huge market out there at artists from Indonesia, from Taiwan, from all these places and Finland. And they would fly me over there to do these big concerts, you know, and that's, that's a market I never knew existed, you know? So for me, it's not like I was trying to do that. It's just what came about of me sharing Mm. what I felt compelled to do, which was choreographed. So that gave me experience. And um, what happened eventually was that, you know, I was many years in, I, you know, had evolved into choreography. At one point I decided to step away from being a dancer because you, you can't always watch the vision and be in the vision the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's even like quantum physics laws about that, but, um, Oh, explain that. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. We're, we're going to go there. Oh man, I'm probably going to mess it up and then going to get, but you know, it's, it's, it's the idea of like particle in a box theory, right? Mm-hmm. Where, okay, I'm probably going to get this a little bit wrong. So forgive me, but you know, they're trying to observe a particle in space, but mm-hmm. in trying to observe it, they changed the direction. So they couldn't pinpoint exactly where it was without affecting it. You know, it's, Interesting. it's like okay. the idea of like, you got to kind of choose which, which way are you going to be the particle? Are you going to observe it? Like, you know what I mean? So they would create, they had like, um, 
a probability equation where they would kind of estimate mm. where they thought it was. But for me, it meant that, you know, something was going to suffer. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and um, at one point I decided to make the switch over from being behind the scene. I mean, behind the camera, in front of the camera. Yeah. To behind the camera. But what I do want to say is that my experience overseas, my following online, none of that translated into a follow uh, jobs here as a choreographer. Interesting. Because at that time, they wanted experienced people. They want to know who, wait, who are you? You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Like, who do, what have you done? Like, how do we know we can trust you with, with this or with this artist or with this vision or this performance? You know, like you got to cut, you got to earn your stripes. Yeah. You got to be around. So I stopped teaching overseas. I stopped traveling overseas. I stopped all of it just wow. to be here and be visible and do nothing <laughs> <laughs> until I became visible. So, wow. And so how did you, okay, that's an interesting point because how did you, how did staying here and being here make you become visible in that scene? What, it's really out of sight, out of mind. It's, you know, the more they see you, the more they, they see you at these performances, the more they see your work, the more you're sort of calling the momentum to you, you know, eventually, cause there's no formula for how you're going, how to, how to get it, that kind of job, an industry job. There's no exact, if you do this, this will happen. Everybody has their own path. So you never know how it's going to come to you. Mm-hmm. It's going to come out of the blue and in a way that you never imagined. But what you do have to do is be recognizable or your work has to be recognizable. So for me, I try to be present to be here to receive whatever it was supposed to be that was supposed to come to me. And I had no idea what that was. (laughs) So it was complete leap of faith and trusting the process. Yeah. And making sure that I was I was not going to get in my own way. I'm going to do all my due diligence. I'll do as much work as possible because I know that's going to translate into something. I don't know how. Right. But it will, you know, and it did. So what kinds of things were you doing to stay visible? I mean, just in a tangible sense, you know, you're you're doing videos for yourself here. What shows are you doing? Like, what does that look like? It doesn't look the same for you. I'm saying <laughs> for, me, for you. For, for me, you. how I did it, I at the time basically this was this again. This was like pre online sharing. Pre <laughs> Facebook was brand. New. I mean, people weren't really on it like it. They are now. Instagram didn't exist. Twitter didn't exist. None of this existed. Yeah. So it was literally you had to be in person, present. So mm. you know. Me, I, I was still relevant as a dancer. I wanted to make sure that I was known in, in this community as a dancer because then different choreographers get to know you, which means that they might bring you on for different jobs or opportunities and or showcasing. Like the more visible you are in the community, the more opportunities will come your way. And that's what happened with me in a general sense. Now, in terms of choreography, you know, I would get new artists, you know, who wanted to dress, like, because they saw my work or they saw me around and they're like, Hey, we need somebody, you know, to do this X, Y, and Z. And I did so many of those. And then eventually, you know, one would catch the eye of this person who Mm. then would call this person who then would, you know, it was so random. It's like all six degrees. And then eventually what happened is, you know, you, you always have kind of big break moments, Um, I always say there's a lot of medium breaks (laughs) with some big breaks spiced in there, right? you know, from time to time. And for me, um, I, when I was hired as a dancer for Rihanna, that was a a big moment for me. And I toured with her for, for a while. And, um, you know, after a year or so after a while, she, she came across my work and she was like, I want to do that. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to get in trouble. I'm just a dancer. <laughs> That's funny. But then she's like, no, but I want to do that. And and I was able to choreograph for her for like a Japan tour and a few sh- and several shows, you know, yeah. before her whole project turned over and changed into a different, into different hands. But, um, you know, things like that, like we're at an airport and she's looking over my shoulder at a class video I did to a song that she gave me that she was about to cut. Like it was so... <laughs> random (laughs) and then um you know that that led to just having that relationship and then 
another job led to something else, you know, and this is before I had made the switch to completely be a choreographer, mm. you know, and then, you know, you just, you, you gain people's trust and eventually you gain trust, you have a buzz and then the right little sort of seasoning and confluence of, <laughs> of things happen and then it just explodes. And, and for me, a big moment was when I did Kelly Rowland's video motivation mm-hmm. And um, her chore- her head choreographer or creative director um, had brought me on to submit for that, and he liked my work. and And from there, then that relationship became, you know, something yeah. that that you know, still to this day that I have, you know, Amazing. to some capacity. And he also worked with Beyonce, and he wanted to be Smith for her. And then I did the opening to Run the World, and like this whole thing, like it literally is people seeing what you do when you're doing it well. And you making sure that you're always doing something well and that as many people that you want to work with or that are in your community see it. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. So what was it like the first time you, you worked with the big, was Rihanna the first big artist or was it? Um, it was Rihanna. What was it? What was that feeling like when you kind of jumped into that when she, you know, A, when she was like, I want you to, I want to do that. I want you to work with me and then be like, how did, how did you go through that process? It, it was surreal. It was like, it was like, Oh, you, you want me to do this? Like for real, this is real. This is, this happens. Like it's, it's crazy because when you ask for something and then it happens, you kind of like almost question it, you know, yeah. like seriously. <laughs> um, it, it was very casual how it happened. Um, but I can tell you, I will never forget the feeling of, because I was also still dancing for her, being on stage, doing my choreography with her, for her, like to this like huge arena (laughs) of folks. I'm like, this is it. I have died and gone to heaven. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing like this feeling, you know, and it makes it worth it. That's when you realize everything you've been, all all the things that you've been doing, even though you're supposed to love the journey, you do love the journey. But when when it hits, when that reward comes, it's beyond, you know? Yeah. And it definitely fuels you, you know, gives you that extra boost for the next thing, you know? Anytime I get a call for a possible job or an opportunity, I get the same butterflies every time I'm excited. Yeah. I'm never over it. And I think it's important to keep that sense of like wonder and excitement and just being kind of like the little kid about your, your art, you know, and your job. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times when you do your job and it's your art, sometimes it can feel more like work than you want. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it can get in the way, but you kind of got to make sure to remember how it feels. Yeah. How do you keep that, that, sense of wonder and excitement, you, you know, as you grow, you know, older through your career, you know, I've noticed this for myself. It's hard to, to stay in that same place and want to, and stay evolving as an artist and, and maintain, you know, the commercial and the, you know, the success, but then like the downtimes as well. It's, it's a constant another balancing act, you know, I have to psych myself out, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I have to kind of like do this sort of like step outside of your body sort of moment and be like, look at what you're doing. You know, I guess it's technically a stop and smell the roses, you know? Yeah. Like, um, I did, uh, a Super Bowl campaign for Pepsi with Janelle Monae, uh, last year. Yeah. And it was, I mean, and, Janelle's incredible. Like she's, yeah. she's such an awesome artist. What a great opportunity. Like you get to do with someone that you really, really enjoy their music and their work. And Pepsi, come on. Like I grew up watching, like I remember when Madonna <laughs> did the thing and then like all the Pepsi Super Bowl. I'm like, oh my God, I get to do one. This is yeah. crazy. You know, and it's a lot of work, you know, to, sure. to make sure that it pleases and, and accomplishes everybody's goals. Because I always say, listen, whatever your job is, your job is to make the person who hired you look good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I have to make sure the client, you know, everybody's happy, you know, with the results. And it's, it's a lot of, you know, technicalities with the music and and the movement, just making sure everything's right. It can be a lot of back and forth. That's the job, you know? But I remember sitting back like, wait, 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 pause. <laughs> <laughs> this is a freaking Super Bowl commercial. 
You know what I mean? This is, this is, and you get to do fun music. You get to do a Janelle. You get to, this is incredible. And then step back in and be like, okay, so, you know what I mean? I literally have to step outside and, and sort of look at it from an outside and be like, remember it's fun. Yeah. And then have fun. Yeah. You know? So how do you, you know, how do you interact with artists like that? You know, how, what's your kind of form of interacting with them? I mean, I've, you know, I've worked with people like this in the photography side and, you know, for, for me, it's kind of, you know, you know, it's treating people like a normal human or, you know, in that respect. And I'm just curious what it's like from your side and working with, with them as well. It's exactly the same thing. And, and I think because, you know, on my side, I get to see that like it, it's so image driven in the sense of it's all about presentation, presenting a performance, mm. you know, and it doesn't matter who it is. If they're the biggest artist in the world or they're just a little girl in their room, you're going to be a little self-conscious. You yeah. know what I mean? There's some real human emotions and insecurities that just naturally are a part of that process. And so what I do is try and understand them and try and understand where they're coming from because I'm going to see that. And my job is to make sure that's not in their way. My job is to make them comfortable. My job is to make them feel like, you know, I'm another human who's going to help them mm-hmm. look good and, yeah. and feel great, you know? So I definitely see a very human side of them in the sense of like, I get it. I get what it's like to do, to have to do what they do. Yeah. So I, I'm not really in a starstruck mode ever or like in a, Oh my God, because I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's not even, even if I want it to be, that's not my job. Yeah. I got it. I'm more concerned about making sure I, I do right by them. Absolutely. Then I am what I, that's why I'm terrible at taking pictures with them. Like I never do. <laughs> I'm like, no, but it's not real, you know? And totally. And for me, spirit is number one, you know, making sure that, the people that I hire, the people that I have around me, everybody has an amazing energy and spirit because mm-hmm. then it kind of forces everyone else to, to fall into that, yeah. that mode. So you need the good, good energy, good vibes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I mean, you got to create that as the leader as well. Yeah. And I think for me, it's honestly, you know, being a female in, in a very male driven industry, it can be challenging. You know, it's like, and to be the person to tell everybody what to do yeah. <laughs> and to do it with not just, you know, other dancers or is with the musicians, with the director, with the <laughs> artists, you know, y'all, you guys have to listen to me and to do it in a way that doesn't sacrifice who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just been trying to carve my own way. You know, I don't want to have to be a B, you know what I mean? Or a diva yeah. to, to command respect or for you to listen to me, Yeah, you know? So for me, it's definitely constantly keeping people around me that, that believe the same thing so we can reaffirm each other. No, this is the right way too. I'm not going to come in and yell at everybody, but I'm going to come in. I'm going to talk to you softly if I feel like it. (laughs) And you're going to understand that something needs to change right away. Yeah. You know, or if I, instead of sort of like barreling my way in, I'm the one that kind of melts my way in and somehow finds himself at the center. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's my way and it's fine and it works. And I, I think I want everybody around me to know that they can have their way. They don't have to follow yeah. what everyone else is doing to have power. Absolutely. That's great. Now, how did you move or expand, I should say, from choreography to creative direction and, and really kind of painting a bigger picture of, of these performances? Well, well, keeping it real, when I'm choreographing, I already have pictured the whole thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? It's like when, when you picture it, you, you can't help but see the whole, like, the lights and the this. And, and, and even in choreographing it, you're choreographing the whole thing unless you have parameters and then you fit it to the parameters that they require. Mm. So kind of unchecked for me was creative direction. And, and I would pare it down to what the job required and also to work within whatever, you know, parameters or with whoever, you know, gave direction specifically, you know, for creative direction. So, for example, for like Britney Spears, um, her creative director was Jamie King and Jamie hired several choreographers for the tour of which I was one. And I was able to do like three numbers or <laughs> yeah. which was I mean, that was amazing for like, I was mind blown. Yeah. Um, it was like my first huge, like 
major artist tour work. And he had a very, you know, they had an entire vision for a tour, like this scene, which you're going to, we're going to have a giant guitar. We're going to have this. And for this one, we want to do, you know, was it like Egyptian and we're going to have this kind of costuming, you know, and then he, he would let me do whatever I wanted within that concept or come to him with feedback. And then he would sort of like look at it and see if it fit in and give feedback and I would change, you know? So it's like with that, that was great because I learned a lot. And then, um, when it was time for me, not necessarily tour, but just even if it's like the Fallon show or whatever, there's creative direction and building an entire version for every performance. I would always sort of like remember my experiences with creative directors as I was coming up as a choreographer, mm. you know what I mean? And, um, making sure that my, my vision, what I had also stepped up to the plate, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not just enough to see something. You have to also know know the technology. You have to know the the environment, and you have to implement it in a very professional way. Right. So for me, it was more about learning the business of creative direction outside mm. of just having a vision, but how to actually get it executed. Yeah, absolutely. So what does your creative process look like? I guess it could be different between choreography and creative direction, or maybe it's intertwined. What is, what does that look like? Like how do you find your inspiration for something and then start building it? It's interesting for me, a lot of, I mean, pretty much everything usually is music based, you know, it's um, for an artist or for a tour or even if for the commercial, like there was music that was, that was driving it. And it started with that, you know, mm -hmm. build understanding, for example, for the Alicia Keys tour that I directed, understanding, uh, I was show director for that, but uh, what is the story? Like when I hear it, what I would do is I would, I would listen to it and then things just would come to mind. What is it, what it made me feel? you know, and I would write down those first things or, you know, with, with a tour or, or with an artist, I would sit down and talk to them and be like, well, what was your vision? What were you thinking when you made this music? What, where were you in your life? Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's really getting to, if it wasn't my sort of, um, creation, cause it's their music, then I would try to get into the, the, the head of the artist, number one. Yeah. And then in terms of like seeing it, I would just take it on and listen to it and literally like what did it make what it what came out you know yeah. what I mean yeah. and then you know I would add to it I would add pieces some like I can't remember I was watching some opera and I was like yes that that's what that's what's missing we need an opera beginning and we need this you know like it, it, things would sort of jump out at me yeah. so I would constantly have to make sure that I was in a place to where I wasn't in a bubble and wasn't in a place to receive inspiration because it's going to constantly change. It's going to constantly grow. It's going to constantly evolve. And one thing that I learned during this process was don't get married to anything. Mm. Any, any idea, or any idea, like you know, you have to be open to change It's going to happen often and frequently and quickly. And you have to, you have to understand when it's good and when it's not necessary. Yeah. You know, so for me, the music dr drives a lot of my initial creative tendencies and vision. Like I just see it mm -hmm. right away. Like I'm like, oh, I could see it. I could hear it, you know, yeah, like a movie kind of playing. Um, but then you evolve, you know, and I, I think that's been the, the biggest lesson for me is not getting too um, tied to my own art that I don't grow. Wow. You know, wow. That's powerful. <laughs> I love that. I need to, I need to implement that in my own <laughs> journey. Um, seriously. Cause I think it's like, you can get stuck easily. I know I do. And I think breaking through a plateau or creative block is sometimes difficult. And I think it's good to kind of flow and try different things and see what sticks. And, um, absolutely. And then looking back at looking, taking a step back and saying, it works, but is it enough? You know mm. what I mean? Am I really doing the most right now? Yeah. Maybe I'm not. Yeah. Maybe I'm playing it safe and challenging yourself all the time. Yeah. Push it and then take it away. If it take, take stuff away if you need to. Yep. Very interesting. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So what, in terms of like 
what does inspire you on a creative level on a daily basis? Just like where, where do you draw inspiration from generally? Not necessarily for a specific project, but you know, general. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny because like <laughs> I used to walk around the city. Um, I mean, New York is just so I, I can't move. I love the city. And I used to literally spend hours and hours and hours going nowhere, just walking <laughs> and listening to music, you know, mm. and it, it constantly inspired me, you know, just being in, just seeing so many different things and just the inspiration of ex- different experiences in the city and different people that you meet and different places you find yourself and the music you hear in your ears while you're doing that. Mm. It's like I was, con- I had a soundtrack for life of all the movies playing in my head, you know, I love that. but now, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a different place and I actually like quiet. I think because I've been hearing so much music for so long, I like for my, I I don't need to hear music all the time anymore. It's really interesting. It's so weird. Um, So for me, inspiration comes from doing things that are outside of my comfort zone. Mm. I think it's, it's really something that I aspire to. And luckily because of the jobs that, you know, sometimes come my way, it forces me to, you know? So um, like, for example, they'll be like, Oh, we're going to, we want you to, put on a show with a hundred dancers or however many dancers and they're just going to walk in this like really crazy formation. And you have to, we're going to fly in the doctor, the <laughs> PhD who invented this walking and you're going to talk to him and then you're going to figure out how to make it work for us. You know what I'm, I'm like? Okay. I've never heard of that in my life, but okay, <laughs> let's do it. Or, you know, this thing now, or it's, there's always sort of the, the randomest things that come to me, even through my work that I never anticipate that teach me a lot. So then all of a sudden my, my mind kind of opens in a new way. Um, so when I'm busy, I'm still able to be inspired by things that I don't have to reach out for. But when I'm not busy, I, I try to like, I love reading. I just really love reading and I love watching really sort of like old performances. (laughs) Uh, There's something about them that just I have a visceral reaction to like, oh, my God, that's amazing. I have a new appreciation now for like old musicals and and just like uh, different artists from back in the day that don't exist anymore. You know, I like to to be I I guess I like to kind of transport myself through time because so inundated with with visuals of what's happening now, what the latest thing is that I literally want to go in the opposite direction. Yeah. And it inspires me. And also like uh, art. I love art too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Non-dance things, ironically. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. (laughs) Uh, What would be, say, like in terms of reading, do you have any recommended reads that that you love that you think other people should read? have a million random things. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> it's so funny. Like I, I really got into from everything from like science fiction to sort of um, like the Ender's Game series um, when I used to love those books um, to like um, Ayn Rand, you know, like just really different sort of way of thinking, you know, yeah. to like uh I don't know. There's so many, of course now I can't think of anything, but pretty much anything that has a different point of view. And the reason that, that I, I really enjoy to even like, um, this, this new, this not new writer, but, uh, Leanne Moriarty, she writes sort of like, um, the husband's secret and things like that. You know, even, even fun reads like that, that are just so rich in characters. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, complex that it literally, you just, you can't help but literally immerse in the story. And for me, what that does is it, it literally transports me to another time. And when I get transported to another time, I hear different music in my head. Like I hear eighties music or something, or I hear, you know, like it, it, it gives a different texture to my world. And when that happens, I get inspired. Uh. <laughs> That's great. Oh, it's beautiful. You know, so between reading books and listening to old music, you know, I think it just changes the way that I perceive the world that I'm walking in. You know, yeah. this is kind of in a similar way, like traveling does, mm-hmm. you know, it gives you sort of like, it takes you out of your bubble Yeah, and you're like, there's so much more to the world we can do, you know? <laughs> totally. It's the same effect. Yeah, absolutely. Now I, as I, I realize 
you know, making it as an artist is there's a lot of in, internal game or inner game, if you want to call it, or just practice. What, what kinds of things do your philosophies do you kind of practice yourself? I mean, is there, do you have like a morning routine? Do you have things that kind of ground you? Are is there anything that you use any tools or practices that, that you like to use? There's definitely, definitely. It's kind of like a self check. <laughs> yeah. If you will, in terms of a routine, I don't really have like a specific routine mm-hmm. per se, just because you know, I think the story of my life has just been like, go with the flow, <laughs> yeah. do what you feel in, in that's right in that season or moment. Um, but philosophy wise, definitely. One thing that's been helpful is no getting to know who I was and what my values were. That was really, really important because once I could get in and define in words what those things were, it made it harder to, to lose myself which is really easy to do in this industry. And then once I knew what those were, I made sure to have core people around me that, you know, just a couple people that shared those values that constantly made me accountable. So for me, my practice is speaking with those people Mm, often. So whether, even if it's about, you know, even if I'm about to write something on Facebook, I'll just run up like, Hey, I'm about to post this. (laughs) (laughs) Does this, you know, what do you, what do you think? You know, and they'll be like, you know, I, I totally agree with you and, and I love your position and what you're saying, but just consider this is what may happen, you know, if you do that. So it's really about keeping sounding boards around me that are super honest and know me and my, my sort of blueprint in the world. Like there are things that I can, I can't get away with doing because of who I am. And there are things that I can get away with doing who I am. Everybody has those things, yeah. you know, you got to know what they are and, and know what not to do just because yeah. someone else is doing something doesn't mean that's something that you should be doing too, or it's right for you. Yeah. So for me, those, you know, those things keep me sane, keep me grounded and also keep me hopeful and having faith that okay, well, we're going to do it. Our, we're going to make it, but in our way, Yeah, you know? So I think that's been the most, most helpful thing that's been consistent in my career. Got it. Love that. Love that. So just one other question that I love to ask all my guests as we wrap up here is what does the phrase live inspiration mean to you? To me, live inspiration means living in your purpose. Mm. You know, um, because at the end of the day, we're going to be passionate and inspired about the things that truly move us, you know, and we're, we're not, we're not instilled with those things unless it has a reason, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. and there's a reason. And that's, I always tell people, I'm like, you know, do what you love. You have to, you're compelled to, you know, that's your purpose because you wouldn't have a love for it if you weren't supposed to do something for it, yeah. you know? So the things that inspire us are, are often the things that, we are moved to act on and and do. And then you never have to work a day in your life, but you work the hardest of anybody around you at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, where can people find you on the interwebs, follow your dance moves and, and all the good stuff, socials (laughs) and that stuff. You can find my website, which has a lot of fun goodies on luamworld.com. It's L-U-A-M world.com. <laughs> and I'm also on Instagram, Luamki, L-U-A-M-K-Y, um, which is ironically my college handle and I never let it go. Um, <laughs> same thing with Twitter, Luamki. And I also started a program for uh, aspiring professional dancers and it's going to grow into just artists too, uh, mm. called rock the industry. Oh, amazing! And it's, you know, it, it teaches you not just how to, uh, work in a professional environment as an artist, but also teaches the business side of things with marketing, investing, so networking, social media, like Great. everything that you have to figure out on your own. So you can also check out rock the industry online.com. And for any non-dancers, I will be having seminars soon. 
Wow, that's fantastic. And you also teach in the city, right? That's right. How could I forget? I teach at Broadway Dance Center, um, which is in the heart of the theater district on 45th between 8th and 9th. And all that info and my schedule is also on luamworld.com and a lot of fun videos. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, go get a dance lesson with Luam if you're in New York City and check all her stuff out. She is amazingly talented. I thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Thanks, Nick. Absolutely. This is awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of Neon Radio with Luam. I'm your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you could help us out by leaving us a good review over on iTunes, sharing this episode on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or any other social media platform. And don't forget to head over to neonlife.com community to join us on the Facebook group and share your thoughts, share your work, and collaborate with other creatives. We've got some fun neon stuff coming up and I'm excited to share it with you. So with that, it's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment and we'll see you next time. Mm